Hampton, tell me <laughs> how the heck are you today? Well, do you remember the in Tim Burton's Batman <laughs> where the Joker had like poisoned or tampered with all of the like hygiene products out there uh, and everyone just kind of looked gross? Yes, that, that was my favorite Jack Nicholson <laughs> as the Joker. And of course, yes. Michael Keaton is Batman and Michael Keaton is looking at signing a deal to be in the new Batman film. Um, so what, there you go. I got to throw that out like Tourette's. But um, so you feel like you got, you got I, some bad product by the Joker? No, no, no. I What I'm feeling is like given that I'm still I'm still working remotely. So that's been since March. And it's funny. I've gotten to the point where I like I don't wear makeup anymore. I haven't had a haircut nor highlights since uh, February. So I'm starting to feel like those uh, the news reporters where they're on TV with like oh, oh, oh. their hair not done, no makeup on. That's how I've been feeling lately is like, you know what? I'm just owning the lack of products or lack of makeup and cosmetics and just going with it. <laughs> That's awesome. And first off, let me tell our listeners, Hannah Hampton and an eau de natural bad day looks better than most women. <laughs> 50 bucks after we hang up here. <laughs> no problem. And, uh, maybe you might want to make it 75. But no, I get it. I get it. We all have our, our little things because we've all been in our sequestered worlds one way or the other. As you know, I can grow a beard in four yeah. days. Um, I am actually rocking the biker mustache that goes all the way down to the chin (laughs) yeah and i the fu manchu almost and i normally uh keep the the chin part but i've actually shaved out the middle so i've got the big horseshoe uh biker mustache and it it is funny that you mentioned the streaks of gray coming through in your hair my my beard's been at least 60 percent gray for a long time (laughs) But it is funny that I am now realizing I thought I turned gray so much earlier than a lot of my friends. And I'm now realizing most of my friends have yep. been dyeing their hair for a long, long time. There so you I, go. I it bad. <laughs> so that's that's awesome. I'm continuing to uh, kind of shelter in place, trying to do the right thing, help help stop the spread of this coronavirus as we're still uh being plagued by it. How so? How are you doing? What's new in your world? You no, know, I'm good. I'm good. I uh, I'm keeping busy. I'm trying to just uh, get my work done and do my normal thing. But I'm also trying to not go back to completely normal. I'm trying to learn right. from what's going on around me and some of the shenanigans and the hoopla that we've seen in this in the United States. But hey. Let's go positive because I'm going to go down a really dark rabbit hole and this will be the most depressing HR podcast of all time. Uh, I think we we have a big anniversary date to celebrate. Yes. Right? So we are recording this on a Sunday. It is uh, July 26th. And the ADA, the Americans with Disability Act of 1990, is celebrating 30-year anniversary. So... You know, given we are an HR podcast, I thought it'd be really important that we celebrate that milestone, the milestone of that really great uh, act that was passed. And again, it's kind of hard to believe that it's only 30 years old. You would feel like, how did this not, you know, how did it not pass sooner? But, you know, anybody who's interested in, in maybe learning some history about how it passed, 
I remind, I want to remind everyone, because I think I talked about this in a previous podcast, but to see that great documentary called Crip, Crip Camp, tongue twister, uh, Crip Camp, which came out this year. I, I watched it back in April, and I'm pretty sure I mentioned it, but it's a really, like, it, the movie starts in the 1970s with a talk, uh, meeting with teenagers at a disability camp and kind of followed their stories, and some of them became really great activists and helped pass the ADA. So just A, celebrating that great milestone and B, reminding people of a place where you can learn a little bit more about it. But uh, that uh, that is what I wanted to share with everyone. So I thought it was pretty, pretty cool. I love it. I love it. Happy 30th to the ADA. You know, I, I just, you know, I'm like, let's celebrate this. Let's talk about something positive. And yeah. then I'm like, 1990 was 30 yeah. years ago? 1990. <laughs> was 30 years ago. I know. So I'm talking about turning gray, and you've got to let me know that 1990 was fucking 30 years ago. That's insane. Oh, it feels like it was like, like 10, less than 10 years ago. A couple, I feel like the 90s were just here, and here we are, 1990, 30 years ago. Man, that makes my head hurt. I don't even want to go right now. So <laughs> let's, let's think uh anyway i think that is really cool and yeah. i think we've seen a lot of uh great improvements in the uh workforce over the last 50 years and uh wow like i said the fact that that's 30 years ago it's like at first i was like 1990 it took that long for that i know class. that's how i feel and like, that was the wow. sad point and then i'm like wait that was 30 years ago huh and that makes you really forget how young uh, our country is and how young, uh, obviously, our workforce is. And it's yeah. uh, always and, growing and, and changing. Like a, a personal story, a personal story real fast. So my father-in-law is in a wheelchair and has been since the 70s. And I remember my husband telling stories, Mr. Hampton, telling stories about not being able to go to certain restaurants and, and just establishments because of, uh, you know, the lack of of the ADA, you know, being, being there. And there were times where, you know, a, the, either the wheelchair couldn't fit through the front door or there weren't, you know, uh, accessible restrooms. And I remember thinking like, really the eighties, it was like that, but yeah, this passed in 1990. So certainly in the eighties, uh, there were still times when somebody who either in a wheelchair or had other, um, you know, disabilities weren't, didn't have the accommodations where people could use the restroom. And to me, that's the biggest thing. That's the restroom. Like everyone has the right to a place to use the restroom. And the fact that people just didn't have that right because restrooms weren't accessible to folks who were in a wheelchair or had other you know, disabilities, uh, mobility issues. So it's just crazy to, to me to think about. I'm sure there's still issues to this day, but people not feeling like, hey, um, I have a place at my workplace to use the restroom. To me, that's that was just so eye-opening. Like that shouldn't be a privilege; it should be a right. At first, you're like, "Wow, I can't believe it took t until 1990 for you." Mm -hmm. Fast. The good news is, it's been in place for 30 years. You know, anytime we do things that make us stop thinking about ourselves and consider others, I think that's a good thing. So I've got a, a kind of a fun uh, topic here. We'll see how this goes. You may or may not. Uh, we may get on the same page a little bit. We may actually disagree. Who knows? Hmm. You never know with us. Um, I don't think either one of us is feeling really feisty today. So that may or may not be to the listener's advantage. But what I want to talk about, and there's so many different ways to look at this and so many viewpoints. I want to talk about the pros and cons 
of a competitive work environment. Mm. Um, and I know <laughs> when I initially told, mentioned this subject to you, you were kind of like, oh, my old nemesis, the competitive work my, environment. My worst nightmare. I, I'm not a fan of a workplace that pits people against one another, but I know there's pros and cons, so I'm going to be open to this conversation, but I feel like I've had some bad experiences in a competitive work environment, so let's uh, let's get this party started. Let's do that, shall we? And so first off, I do think normally I'd want to start with the negative and just go on the cons, because there are quite a few cons. A lot of the cons, though, do have to do with the way it is launched or communicated or measured, and that's where I think you and I have seen um, some just bad cases of a competitive work environment. Let's talk, you know, on the positive side, what I see is some of, some of the pros. Many people are naturally competitive, especially those that tend to be more successful, but not all. There are a lot of people that are extremely successful that they do not do well in a competitive environment because their brain just isn't wired that way. That's not how they produce. That's mm -hmm. not how they think. Where a competitive work environment, I feel, does work. If you have some people that have been in place for a long time, and let's say maybe there isn't growth opportunity. Maybe let's mm -hmm. just say this, there, this is a, a segment that this is where people are going to be while they're with this company. Um, I think competition does naturally reduce indifference and laziness. Do I think hmm. it cures it? No. Do I think it's the way to address laziness? There's a lot of things that should be done first. But I do think that if you have people that are good at what they do and they've been doing the thing, same thing for uh, a long time and there hasn't been any new spark created by leadership, maybe a little competition will help. And of course, if you have incentives, sometimes you can foster innovation. It does uh, get people to dig a little deeper. But again, I always wonder when when you get these results out of uh, competitions, why you couldn't get them in other ways. But there are people that are very pro-competition. Times get people to take initiative and to take on extra responsibilities to get to the next level and be better. So that those are the things I'm going to start with on why I think if it's done correctly, mm -hmm. that there are a lot of positive attributes to a competitive work environment. Now, obviously, and I know the reason you called it your worst nightmare, is there are so many things that can be poorly executed or, or just done wrong. What are some of the things that concern you about a competitive work environment or what have you seen, et cetera, Hannah Hampton? Sure. So I think in my experience, and I've, um, I've actually been in it in multiple roles, um, I worked before I was in HR, I worked in sales. So that was the ultimate competitive environment. And then I had a short stint in a recruiting role that was more kind of recruiting slash sales incentive type of a thing where it was commission-based. And then I was an HR manager and in, in a sales environment. So I've seen it from all kind of different angles. And I feel like sometimes it can, it can bring out the worst in people. I remember a specific scenario in which uh, me and one other recruiter got into a disagreement about a candidate, about whose candidate it was. And uh, basically we had both reached out to the same candidate at the same time. And the candidate called me back because I had called them first, but I had neglected to timely enter my notes into our system, applicant tracking system, 
even though the candidate called me back, the other recruiter felt, well, it's my candidates. I put the notes in. And I'm like, you kind of got me on a technicality, right? Well, I turned into a situation where this recruiter uh, basically threw me under the bus to our boss. And we, I consider ourselves friendly. We would hang out after work sometimes. We became, uh, basically she cut me out of her life and hated me because we got into a disagreement over a candidate, which I felt was so unprofessional and, and rather hurtful. I'm like, I truly believe you can be into professional disagreements with somebody, but yet still respect them and be friendly with them on a personal level. And it just left a very bad taste in my mouth. And I shortly, I left that role shortly after because I'm like, this is not my happy place where it's pitting me against my coworkers. I'm more collaborative. I'm in a team space. We win together. We fail together versus I'm going to slit your throat to make my, you know, so I can move farther ahead. So I, that's kind of how I see it. And then also just real quickly, when I worked as an HR manager in a sales environment, I would see people get into these fights and, and just, get nasty with one another over a, an account, over a client, over, you know, a candidate, whatever it might be. And I've just seen a lot of nastiness come out of people. And to me, that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. And, and definitely sales or recruiting that's on a commission base, you know, the competition there is to get paid. So right. I don't know that you really need to do too much more to create a competition unless there's a a specific reason that you really had to turn up the heat. But I do think that if you really want to see how a person's brain works and where their integrity truly is, put them in a, a commission-based position, yeah. and then you'll see who basically would eat their own young to get a paycheck. And right. I, I've had that experience. It's so disheartening to see someone be so ugly and mm -hmm. like you said, I mean, I believe in competition for fun, even if it's not competition. You, you know, I do believe that you can disagree with someone uh, about key points at work, quote, hit that time card and walk out the door. You should be able to be human beings together, even right. possibly friends. Like I always think the first thing I just thought of when I said that was the old cartoon with the sheepdog and the coyote they in the morning morning frank and i don't remember their yeah. actual names but they both clock in say hi to each other and then it was the sheepdog's job to protect the sheep and of course the coyote was going to try to take the sheep beat the hell out of each other all day and there's anvils flying and boulders crashing and bones <laughs> cracking soon as that whistle goes off they're both clocking out have a good day. And, you know, yeah. their lives go. And that's the thing where in, this is a whole different podcast. But I do think when people can't separate work and their outside of work life, mm -hmm. when those two become so brutally intertwined, that's when things just go sideways in so many yeah. ways. And I, I just and to me, it, that just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And I'm grateful my current work environment the only competition is more kind of intrinsic of like, hey, we've got goals to meet. We're going to work hard together. But it doesn't. it's not pitting people against one another. And I think that's where it can sometimes turn ugly. And people can do things. And I, I feel like, you know, you learn about people who learn how to game the system. And, you know, we could talk about it in many different environments. So you get people who game the system to their advantage. And it doesn't 
it doesn't do any good for anybody. Like it's not helping the business. It's not helping them succeed. It's just helping them look good. And I, I'm a big fan of seeing people who there's people who want to look good and there's people who want to be good. Why don't you try to be good? Because then eventually you will look good versus, Hey, I'm going to try to look good, but do everything behind the scenes to get me there versus doing those right things. Anytime they fail, they want to hide it. So people think, Oh, you know, I'm not looking good. No, if you be good, you will look good versus uh, going for looking good first. So I just feel like, man, they're going to bring a lot of nastiness. But I think you're right. I mean, there are some pros to certain environments that need that competition and need that, you know, that helps kind of light that fire under you. But man, I think it can bring some nasty people out of it. And you need to make sure that you've got the right people in those positions. And you don't want that bad apple to ruin that bunch definitely can create a selfish culture of individual goals versus team and company goals, mm -hmm. you know? And so you're right. I love it. The, the person that always wants to look the best and mm -hmm. isn't willing to admit their mistakes or what they've done wrong, you do get to a point if you really do what you what you need to do to make the company achieve their goals. And right. if you're willing to share your mistakes so others don't make the same mistakes unnecessarily, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you make a big boo-boo with a client and it goes sideways and it's something that makes your company look bad, the first thing you should do is say, hey, we need to have an all hands on deck and in this department or, hey, I need to I need to talk to you to your supervisor as soon as possible. I just realized this. We may want to, you know, really rethink it. That's helping the company. You know, right. those are common goals. And that's why I, I will say, though, the company goals need to be the right goals as well. I can think about a time in my past life and maybe you'll know what I'm talking about where. Um, the company, you know, put, I guess, monetary value on goals and milestones for people where it I feel like sometimes it hurts the customer and where the team would strive to hit these goals so that they made sure that they got their money. They were hurting their customers in either the short term or the long term. So we want to make sure that, you know, these goals make sense and are a win win versus one way or another and I, so i just think it's really important that you have to kind of you really have to be careful on you know that line where you draw that line uh on the company goals making sure that it, it's something that's not going to hurt people be it your company or be it your customers in the short or long term so a couple things there because i think we're going to come up to a a, a splitting point because i think this is going to turn into a, a two-parter you hit something that we're definitely going to uh explore about the right way to do it and the way to make it effective for the company but let's real quick i want to finish uh part one on this point where you mentioned okay. you have to have the right people a lot i've seen hiring managers that think that if they want to create a competitive culture, that they automatically want to hire competitive individuals. Mm -hmm. And that's not always a match. And what I mean by that is people that are just competitive by nature, mm -hmm. those that are really seem to want to do whatever it takes to win, those aren't always the best people. So first off, 
you got to make sure you're hiring the right talent for what your long-term goals are and what you want to accomplish as a department. And if those department goals align with your company goals, and here are some of the things that are possible pitfalls of over-competitive individuals and why you want to make sure that you don't just automatically hire someone that's competitive by nature. Competitive people sometimes are not team players. You know, we could go with a very big- I've seen that firsthand. (laughs) Oh, we all have. Look at all the great athletes that won't pass the ball in basketball or if they're the receiver that, you know, the old give me the damn ball, which was actually the title of someone's autobiography, all about me, 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 let me hit my milestones and the team should be do, will do fine if I do fine. And that's, mm-hmm. that's obviously not the case because you have to have all those moving points and we could just rattle off a list of, different sports with rosters built around one all-star I'm not a sports person so I wouldn't be able to do it <laughs> but the other thing is and these are the big two if you just hire someone that's competitive by nature first off there is an increase in the likelihood of them just thinking they know how to do it better than the boss the what I like to call the yeah yeah yes yeah 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 I know what you're saying but they don't mm-hmm. listen they've got a selfish goal in the story and then that can ultimately lead up to they will go around you as their supervisor to make sure that the higher ups know what they're doing and what they're achieving and I've seen it go bad for the supervisor like why weren't we aware of this because it almost the supervisor was basically taking credit for those achievements of the department and not singling out a top achiever. And that's why they did it. But I've also seen that person just put in place because they're like, why are you even talking to me? You know, your boss is the one that should be reporting this data. And actually they do every Monday, but that doesn't tend to happen as as likely as it should. So, okay, you've heard all these pitfalls. You want to do a competitive work environment anyway. Go pour that cup of coffee, that glass of wine, mix your martini, get that scotch on the rocks. We'll be back with part two, how you can properly build a competitive work environment. Well, oh my goodness, look at the time. Hannah Hampton, it looks like we've done it again. But before we close, why don't you tell our listeners how they can contact us? Yes, so we'd love to hear from you. Give us some feedback or share an article you want to hear us discuss. You can email us at hrafterhoursmail at gmail.com. Mick, where can they find us on social media? We are all over the place, kind of like our conversation. (laughs) We are up and running on Facebook, and our address there is at hrafterhours. And of course, we're on Instagram, all one word, HR After Hours. And then Twitter is at HR underscore hours. So definitely check out our social media presence. We're always looking for new followers. I know that sounds thirsty, but it's very true. (laughs) And then, like Hannah said, shoot us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you like, what you'd like to see us do differently. Definitely any topics or questions you have for us. Because we're tired of just hearing how friggin' hot and sexy we are. Give us something <laughs> with a little meat on it. That's what she said. <laughs> All right. Anna, take us out of here. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And have a great rest of your day. <laughs>